season's going to end on a double doink. The Philadelphia Eagles are Super Bowl champions. Eagles fans everywhere, this is for you. Let the celebration begin. There's going to be a parade on Broadway. And your hosts, Brendan Deeg and Eric Warner. Hester's going to take it all the way for a touchdown. And welcome back to another episode of the Double Doing Podcast. My name is Brendan Deeg. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you haven't already, please hit that subscribe button. It would be greatly appreciated. You can also rate the podcast and review the podcast wherever you do listen to your podcast. It would also be greatly appreciated. I'm excited to announce that Manscaped has launched an ultra premium collection. Believe it or not, it's for your not so private parts. I'm talking about a leveled up hygiene routine with your favorite manly scent. This is an all-in-one skin and hair kit for the everyday man and covers you from head to toe, literally. Manscaped is trusted below the waist. Now trust them with now trust them with the rest. Join four million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com. And get free shipping using code DOINK, D-O-I-K, DOINK. We all know how essential the Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0 is for the precise trim below the waist. Their advanced skin safe technology reduces cuts to your most delicate areas. But now you can even enhance your perfect grooming routine with their ultra premium collection. This package includes the Manscaped Premium Deodorant, the Hydrating Body Moisturizer, the Body Wash to lather you up with their infused aloe vera and sea salt shower gel, the 2-in-1 shampoo and conditioner to clean your scalp with one easy step, Plus, a free gift, a three-pack of lip balm that's made up with ingredients such as vitamin E, peppermint, and eucalyptus. What's that word, Warren Z? Eucalyptus? Eucalyptus oil. Good star. Eucalyptus oil to keep those chappers feeling moist. Get 20% off and free shipping. is go doink at manscaped.com. 20% off, free shipping. is go doink at manscaped.com. And we also want to thank BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. Not everyone is someone they can lean on and talk to. That's where BetterHelp comes in. With BetterHelp, you have access to over 20,000 licensed therapists. And it's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own professional licensed therapist. If you ever search for a counselor in your area, you and you know it can take even weeks or even months just to get a phone call back. With BetterHelp, you can start communicating as little as 48 hours. BetterHelp is committed facilitating great therapeutic matches so they can make it easy and free to change therapists if needed. You deserve to prioritize your mental health this year, so get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash podcast. And thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. Eucalyptus, Eric Warnsey. How are we doing? Not bad, not bad. The week is over. The weekend is here. Never in a bad mood on a Friday after work. How about that game last night? I liked it. Like I had fun. Like you didn't. <laughs> I'm talking hockey. Yeah. Okay. I mean, we absolute, absolutely grinded. <laughs> absolute barn burner at Scarborough Camlin Ice Sports. How do you do? You think there's ever been a zero zero tie in beer league history, or do you think we were the first ones to do that? I don't know. But when you got AJ blocking as many shots <laughs> as he does, uh, there's going to be some zero zero games. He definitely leads the league in block shots. That is Putting for sure. Shout out our boy AJ. Body on the line. Do or die next Thursday night at Scarborough Canlan Ice Sports. If you're not there, I don't know what the hell you're doing with your life. <laughs> you boys need a W to go on. Uh, you were at our uh, our slow pitch meeting as for uh, head coach Eric Warrenzi. 
who's running our slow pitch team, starts May 5th. Yep. May 5th. The bats are getting out. We're going to start practicing some ground balls like we talked about last episode. Yeah, but no, it's just a sign that the uh, spring is forthcoming. So we got a great episode for you today. Mike, I had an interview with Mike Tannenbaum, former general manager of the New York Jets, also the executive vice president of football operations for the Miami Dolphins. 2015 to 2018, um, and is now an, an analyst for ESPN. He's also the founder of the 3013 with Joe Bander, who's also the former president of the Philadelphia Eagles when I was growing up. So that, that interview will be coming after me and Eric Warrens. He'd go through some some flaming hot topics. Where do you want to start? You want to start with our boy Urban? Yeah. We haven't talked. This is, this is something we like. This is like right up our alley here. So The Athletic dropped an article. Um, it was about three, four days ago. About Urban Meyer kind of diving into more of the kind of shenanigans surrounding Urban Meyer, what he was doing um, as a head coach there, what went down. And there are a few kind of uh, there are a few kind of big ones. Apparently, Urban Meyer did not know who Aaron Donald was um, in a game. Apparently, he went up to a coach or a teammate and said that number 99 of the L.A. Rams is going to cause us some trouble. Everyone's kind of like, what? This guy doesn't know who Urban this guy doesn't know who Aaron Donald was or some other things he had a racial slur to, um, not a racial slur, kind of calling Southern people stupid to John Brown in a route. He said, those Southern guys are not very smart. You need to run the route more precise for him. Just a bunch of nonsense. Basically just uh, solidifying that Urban Meyer is a huge douchebag and one of the worst coaching hires of all time. Do you actually buy that he didn't know who Aaron Donald was? I don't buy it. It's so hard to believe, but... We're also talking about a guy that gave Tim Tebow a chance to, to play tight end at like 35 years old. So I think anything <laughs> could be possible with this guy. Like he clearly had no idea what he was doing from day one. And but that what really makes me I don't I do think he probably didn't know who Aaron Donald was. But what's more alarming of, to me about this is. What did Urban Meyer do in the interview process to stand out? Like, how did how did he go to an interview with the cons and stand out if he didn't even know who Aaron Donald was? Like, you can't tell me that he's a good football mind. <laughs> well, like, I think they wanted just a big name. I, I don't think they really interviewed Urban. I don't think there was definitely an interview process like. There definitely couldn't have been. Like, look look how it turned out. I think he just wanted a big name. He wanted the Florida guy. He wanted the guy that won all those championships, the Florida Gators. Back then, he wanted the guy that won championships at Ohio State. That's what it was. No, like, that's... If you interviewed Urban Meyer for maybe longer than a couple hours, you probably would have realized this guy's a joke. Good point. I... So, in the article, it says that he didn't know who... Herb, or is that Aaron Donald, Debo Samuel... Um, and Jamal Adams. Yeah, why is so, Jamal Adams in there? Though? Okay, so I'll <laughs> buy that he doesn't know who Debo or Jamal Adams is. I'll buy that. The Aaron Donald one. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's hard to believe, but so, like if there could, was any other coach, you'd say there's no yeah. way. But him, you, you actually kind of believe it. Yeah, I. you can buy this. I don't buy it because, it, one, it's Aaron Donald. Everyone knows who he is. And he's an offensive guy. You should know the defensive side of things. I think I think he was just saying, like, number 99, this guy might cause some trouble, and I think the guy might interpret it wrong. But he's a college coach. Right? College coaches don't really watch NFL. Like, they're on Sundays, they're planning for the next Saturday. And when you're a guy as high as Urban Meyer was when he was head coach of Ohio State in Florida, then I guess who knows how much NFL he was watching. But 
It's funny. I want to believe it. Yeah, I want to believe it, but I also can't believe on Twitter how many Urban Meyer defenders there still are. Mm -hmm. Like, there are people still defending this guy. It's like, what does this guy have to do for for everybody to turn on him? Because he still somehow has people in his corner, and it blows my mind. Yeah, the the article is something. If you haven't already, go check it out on The Athletic. It kind of just runs over disastrous. I guess, how long was it? It's not even six months. (laughs) <laughs> and he barely lasted. Was it when did he get fired? It was week twelve. I still remember we were doing buy or sell, and one of the questions was, "Will Urban Meyer last a season?" I think it was. Weeks, I think I said week seventeen or something. Yeah, like that. and I thought it was crazy. It was like, of course he will. Yeah. And looking back on it, it's like he didn't even stand a chance no. of getting there. Like, it wasn't even close. He yeah, was, is he the worst head coaching hire of all time in any sport of any big four major sports? Can you think of one that's worse? He's right up there. I mean, we talked a little bit about it. The Falcons, Bobby Petrino was equally as bad. It was yeah. basically the same situation, actually. Just Mike Vick mixed in there with that whole He also bomb. kicked a guy. He kicked his kicker. Yeah. Kicked the kicker. Didn't know he, where Donald the was. The Tebow thing is the not Tim talked about Tebow. enough. Yeah. He also hired the strength and conditioning coach who had was a full many, racist. many racist yeah. complaints. Like I think he is. I think he's the worst head yeah. coach I've of all time. Yeah, and, like, for Trevor Lawrence to have to go through that year one, that's tough. But your boy Dougie coming in, <laughs> doing cleanup. Yeah, we'll see how this goes. It's 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 uh, it's uh all chaotic right now. He's They're just opening up the check, but they're hiring everyone. I think Trent Baalke is a problem. I I, I think Trent Baalke is going to run Doug Pearson in the ground. I think I think management – and that's what I said when Doug Pearson got hired. I remember saying on this podcast, I said there's going to be uh, – there, there could be a problem – with just not Dougie P being the being the the issue here, it's the management kind of running him into the ground, and it's they've already got a kickstart to that. So I they do have to get some players right. They had to get some talent on the board, but the contracts are kind of crazy. We'll go over that on Monday. We're gonna have kind of a free agency winner losers off season kind of episode for you. We'll dive into more of that. I'm sure we'll talk about Jacksonville. Eric, I, you know what I've been doing lately? I've been uh, I, what's your take on pickles? Do you have like pickles as just a snack? Love them. I've been just eating like a raw pickle lately. Lately? I've been doing that my whole life. Like, <laughs> just, like I've been just grabbing a pickle out of the jar and eating yeah, it. We always got a jar in my fridge. So you, you've you been doing that? You just grab a pickle out the jar and muck? And I love it. It's new to me. <laughs> You're behind, buddy. You're <laughs> behind. behind. I do like it, though. It's, a great, a, it's an underrated. A pickle you put a pickle on side. your burger? I put pickles on my burger. Of course. Yeah. Like, pickles, pickles are good in any scenario, really. Yeah, I was, I was, I was just thinking that. I, I, I like, I've never, I've never done it before. I've just been reaching the jar, grab a pickle, underrated snack. So, do you eat, just eat cucumbers raw? Like you sent me that video of you, you just mucking a cucumber like that. You do the same thing. Yep, that is disgusting. I don't understand why you would like pickles though and not like cucumbers because they don't taste the same. They taste completely different. Yeah, but they're very similar. No, they're not at all. <laughs> cucumbers, cucumbers are literally the epitome of vegetables. They, they, nothing goes with cucumbers. I don't think I've ever asked you this. If you, if I put you on a desert island, and you had one meal to eat for the next week, like what's your favorite food? I don't know if I phrased that right. Oh, what is Eric Warner's favorite meal? That is so difficult. I'm simple though. I think it's probably pizza. Like I okay. eat so much pizza, and I've never. <laughs> 
I hate when also people say, oh, that's a bad pizza place. It's like, no, there's no such thing as a bad pizza. There are. No, there's not. All pizza is good pizza. I think I, I'm pizza too. Yeah. Oh, fuck, I was expecting something better than that from you. Yeah. I, you're like my best friend. I don't think I've ever asked you that question. Mm. Scotty Scheffler just won the playoffs, so he's <laughs> through. That's huge. Huge ticket. Big, is that Big Rig? No, Scott, that Big Rig like, is that Coke crack? Rack. Okay. Scotty so Scheffler will be the number one ranked golfer in the world by this time next year. You heard it here first. Why are you so confident in this statement? Because he's amazing. This guy's ball flight is ridiculous. He hits the ball so high in the air, and he can just drop it on a dime. And then his short game. How old is Scotty? Like 25. Does he have a nickname? No, we got to come up with one. I guess the chef. The big chef. chef Scotty like chef. Right, it's going to be my goal for the weekend. But yeah, now I'm turning the golf off. I'm on. I'm uh, back into it here. That was just a playoff, so I had to try. I have it. a Tyree kill trade take for you that I want to throw your way. You can either accept it and love it, or you can just whip it back in my face. Is there a chance that... Andy Reid wanted to trade Tyree Kill because look what the Cincinnati Bengals did to them in the playoffs. They played too high coverage. They basically kept everything in front of them, and too high coverage is, is a thing. It's happening mm-hmm. in the league now. It's a league of adjustments, yep. right? Is there a is there something in Andy Reid's mind that said, you know what? This too high thing's killing me. It's not allowing my offense to run like it should. And I am going to trade him and re- Revolutionize? I'm trying to think of the right word here. Reconstruct the way I run my offense. So you kind of shock, maybe not shock people, but try something new. I completely agree with that take. And I guess the way I look at it is when you have a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes, you are paying him what he is worth. Actually, you might not even be paying him what he's worth. He's that good. But he's being paid as one of the highest paid quarterbacks in NFL history. And when you pay him that, your assumption is he makes players around him better. I think Andy Reid looks at his offense and says, I think Patrick can get the most out of who I put on the field. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't need to be Tyree Kill. I think he can get it out of other players Travis Kelsey, in my opinion, is more of a unicorn. You're not going to find a tight end that can run like that. You're not going to find a tight end with hands like that. Yes, I know Tyreek Hill is arguably the fastest player in the NFL, but there's other fast guys too. Yep. I think Tyreek Hill is replaceable in when you have Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback. I think you can find receivers that complement Mahomes and fill out your offense that way. Okay, but from like a an X's and O's style, like do you think? Like I, I don't think Andy Reid is just thinking I'm just gonna plug Marcus Valdez Scantling in Tyreek mm. Hill's spot, and we're gonna run everything the same. No, do you I think. Do yeah. you think he just they're not scrapped the playbook? But like, do you think he's like because they got Mahomes? What was it? 2016, 2017? He's been there for five years. Five years. Five years. He's played for four. Yeah. So like. You got a five-year window. Okay, now let's try something new. Like his, his offense has evolved from just even being in Philly from back in the day. Like, it was under – like, think about it. It was McNabb under center a lot, right? You, you ran with a fullback. Mm. Like, fullback was huge in Andy Reid's West Coast system. Like, do you think Andy Reid is going to come out week one of 2022 with, like, a whole new fucking playbook? He I don't might. know if I'm explaining this I properly. think he's, he's one of the – 
most gifted offensive minds of all time. It wouldn't. It wouldn't. I wouldn't doubt that Andy Reid has watched that film versus the second half film a hundred times. Yeah. and he's probably now all off season trying to think how do I beat too high. And I trust that he can come up with it. I mean, if there's one guy in the NFL that I could trust. There's a hand. There's a handful of guys. Yeah, there's a handful of guys that you would say revolutionize offensive play calling. Andy Reid is definitely one of them. He was probably he was the first guy that really used running backs as pass catchers. Right, that was a huge thing. He revolutionized. Now every team does it. I think he might be on to his next uh, his next scheme. Yeah, like he's just. Because, like, I was, I'm trying to wrap my head around, like, Andy Reid loved Tyree Kill. He transformed him to a great player. I, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to think of him other ways outside the box thinking from him. And I, I kept thinking to that, like, the Bengals' second half was bad. Let's try something new. And he's a smart guy. He likes new challenges. He's already won a Super Bowl. He can kind of mess around, tinker with things. So I'm really excited to see what that offense looks like. Okay. Do you think that the Eagles and the Bears have probably had the two worst offseasons so far? Not worst offseason, but what do you make of our offseasons so far? I mean... Have there been teams... Okay, let me, re- if let, you let me take that away, question. If you take away Hassan Reddick, then yeah. yeah. But the Eagles at least hit one home run. Okay, let, let, let me rephrase the question. Have there been two teams in the NFL that have helped their young quarterbacks out less than the Eagles and the Bears? As of right now... The, the Bears and Eagles have provided the Eagles have provided Zach Pascal and the Bears have provided Lucas Patrick. That is and the, Byron Pringle and Equinemius St. Brown. Correct. Yeah. I mean, can it I'm, get any more dull than that? I mean, you can talk about the Eagles more than I can, but like, I'm so dis I, I'm really disappointed that the Bears have done nothing for Justin Fields. I understand the. Game plan is to prepare for next season. It's this season is not is a punt season basically. But you want to see development from yeah. Justin Fields and not surrounding him with anything is alarming. Who's this playing? offensive line has gotten worse. <laughs> who's playing left? Who's playing le- right or left tackle? So you have Tevin Jenkins on one side. Who's the other tackle right now? The sixth or seventh round rookie Larry Boron. That's which, not gonna fly. No, and then the interior is a disaster as well. I mean, Lucas Patrick is center right now. Yeah, who's what the seventh offensive lineman on the Packers last year? I mean, I thought he would have was a fake human being until you mentioned to me last week. Yeah, so the they replaced James Daniels with Lucas Patrick, so that's a downgrade. And they've done they lost Allen Robinson. They've done like it's a. Offensively, this is a huge, huge letdown. Like I'm looking around the league, I'm seeing all these teams like help out their young quarterbacks, like Dolphins getting Tyree Kill, um, Derek Carr. I guess you could put him in the young quarterback slot. Getting Devontae Adams. Like I'm not saying you know, I want our team to make those type of trades. Deshaun Watson just got Amari Cooper for a fifth round pick. I don't know. I feel like the Double Doink podcast has not helped out their young quarterbacks. Not at all. I, that's a good uh, point too. I never thought, and they're about both young. Jalen Hurts and Justin Fields, twenty three years old. Isn't this, isn't this the time to help out your young quarterbacks? Yeah, it's pretty depressing actually when you think about it. Like Jalen Hurts showed signs last year. So is it the front office 
do they want him to succeed? Are they setting up to fail? Yeah, like, do they want Justin, or do they want Jalen Hurts to do well or poorly so that it's easier for them to make their decision next year? I I'm gonna hold like I'm trying to hold off my ego stakes until the draft. I, I I've been trying to keep telling right, myself you have that. three first yeah, round exactly. picks, so I yeah. can keep telling myself hold off to the draft, hold off to the draft. I just I'm sitting there, and I just I see missed opportunities. Calvin Ridley had the freaking bet on those parlays. I thought that was a golden opportunity. Like I'm not saying Amari Cooper would have been a good pickup, but look at like he went for a fifth round pick. He could have restructured that contract potentially. You're you're seeing guys just kind of. Like you're seeing safeties, Justin Reed go to Kansas City for cheap. The Eagles have no safeties. I don't know. Like I, I don't know if I'm overreacting about the Eagles right now or if I'm being too depressed. But yeah. well, so, I something's got to give here. And th- this draft. And the other thing too is Howie Roseman has not proven that he's good at draft picks. Yeah. If you look at the last three Eagles first round picks, you got Andre Dillard, Jalen Rager, and Devontae Smith. That's one hit of three. So if we just take a that in a vacuum. We're getting one one good player, (laughs) three right. So, I guess glass half full. Neither of our teams have made big mistakes. They haven't handed out a contract that in two years you're going to say, "Oh God, what was that?" Mm -hmm. So the nobody. I think you. It's easier to make mistakes in free agency than hit home runs. Personally, I think Hassan Reddick is way closer to a home run than yeah, a mistake. Yeah, I love the Rex. I, I should put more respect on that. So there's that, but I, I I do agree. On the offensive side of things, really, really disappointing as of now. The double double podcast, man. There's not helping out the young quarterbacks, Justin Fields and Jalen Jill, and Hurts. Don't like to see it. Okay, upcoming NFL draft. Do you have any draft takes quickly? There's, it's in a month. Have you thought, like, what are the... So I asked Mike Tannenbaum this. He said Aiden Hutchinson should be the first overall pick. I, we have, I haven't looked enough yet, so I don't know. But is there anything? Because we're going to be diving into the draft basically in two weeks. Like draft season starts, right? We're getting yeah, draft here. season soon. Yeah. It's harder for me to get into it without having a first round pick <laughs> yeah. for the Bears. And last but, year with Justin Fields. So. Yeah. But I guess I don't think that there's a blue chipper in this draft. Mm-hmm. I think Aiden Hutchinson is going to be a really good player. I think Neil, Evan Neal, is going to be a really good player. Are they going to be franchise-altering Hall of Fame-type players? I don't think so. I still think the Jags should draft Evan Neal, even though they franchise Cam Robinson. Cam Robinson isn't the type of player that should be stopping you from selecting anyone. Yeah. he ha- Cam Robinson hasn't proven himself to be a franchise left tackle. He's been an okay left tackle, but... If you have a franchise but tackle, I guess Evan, like it's, I haven't looked enough at Evan Neal, so it's hard to say. I guess it's just all based on their evaluation of Evan Neal, right? You don't want to reach for a position. Yeah, that's a good point. It's all, what is Trent Balky? Think of Evan Neal as basically what's going to come down Balky? What is Trent uh, I guess just the Jags can't mess this up, right? There's so many, there's different routes they can go. I, I think this is a really, really hard pick to screw up. Pro Football Network had a story today that they are looking at Trayvon Walker. That's the first overall pick. So he's a defensive lineman from Georgia. He's got the freak athleticism. So he ran. He had a 35.5 vertical jump, 10.3 broad jump, 6.893 cone, which is insane. And he had a 4.514 yard dash. What was he projecting? Like, I think he's supposed, he's supposed to be a top 10 pick, but right. is one reach like – isn't that like completely out of left field? And doesn't that kind of scream Jacksonville Jaguars to do something like this? 
It does. I just said you can't screw this pick up. Maybe they can. I yeah, don't know. Exactly. If any team could figure it away, they could. But just looking at the top five, like all these teams are getting good players, right? And I think it should be a take best player available type draft. I don't think there's any position worth reaching for. Mm-hmm. These We got to have a quarterback talk later. I haven't looked into the quarterbacks nearly enough. I'm really Monday's my start on. date. Monday's when I attack this draft more heavily. I, I solely started, but Monday. Yeah, these Monday quarterbacks. Hits it. These quarterbacks are huge question marks. I think anybody who's relying on a quarterback to be a franchise changer could be a mistake. But I mean, as you saw your pro at a pro, I loved Marlon Humphrey's uh, tweet he had yesterday. He said, Why do we all go crazy for these quarterbacks' pro days? He's like, They're NFL prospects. Do we not think they can throw a football? Yeah. Like, there's a, there's a video of Desmond Ritter literally doing the exact same thing Malik Willis did, not even a blimp on Twitter. Right. But Twitter Malik, was so horny off that Malik Willis throw. <laughs> yeah. And like, I thought, like, Marlon Humphrey said it perfectly. He's like, If there's not a defense on the field and you're an NFL prospect, you should be making. You can make all those throws. Like I want to make a law today on the podcast. Let's ban pro day videos from Twitter. Yeah, can we do that? Is that possible? And oh, I feel so bad for David uh, Ojabi. Like, oh, I know. That's such a terrible, terrible. Uh, the tough go. And you, you know what? Why are these? Why are they running those drills? Yeah. What are they, What's the point of that? That's do we need to thing. see David Ajabo running like that? And did you see the way the trainers just walked by yeah. him? Like, just went to pick up the here? ball. He went like, to pick up the ball. They don't need to run those drills. That's a great point. I, I think it's really stupid. Yeah. I mean, you've watched this guy's whole college career. You have tape of him Go on the field. Go watch him play Ohio yeah. State. Exactly. Why is him running a three-cone drill? Is that really going to determine? Ooh, uh, I, we're stupid. out. Yeah, we're yeah. out on Ojabi because he... Uh, didn't run his three-cone drill well, even though he had a terrific college career. And like, he's dropping back into coverage. Like, yeah. He's not even running. Like, he's not like he, it's not like he hurt himself in a one-on-one rep against Evan Neal or, or a top-ten tackle where you could actually get some value out of that. He's literally like running a drill, dropping back into coverage, doing like crossovers from a defensive yeah. end. Like, miss me with that crap. There's no need for those players to be doing those drills. Yeah. They need to re- the NFL needs to reinvestigate this. And I don't feel like there's enough talk about this either. Like yeah, they should be taught. This happens every year. Sidney Jones got hurt in pre-workout. Remember, his career got yeah. screwed over. He ended yeah. up being a second-round pick, and he was never like the same prospect that he was before that happened. David Jabo's now career could be done. I think that's. I think it should be more talked about. It's kind of stupid. Yeah, I just feel so bad for the guy. Yeah. He's worked his whole life for this. All right, this episode is also sponsored by Coolbet. Coolbet is the most transparent gaming company in the world. Coolbet also provides the facades of Canada with world-class customer service. For first-time users, use the box called DOINK, D-O-N-K, DOINK, for a 100% welcome bonus up to $200 when signing up with Coolbet. That's code DOINK. And Coolbet will match your first deposit up to $200. Give our friends at Coolbet Canada a follow on Twitter and Instagram on and Facebook at Coolbet Canada. Coolbet, stay cool and bet responsibly. Okay, one more topic that I got before we get out of here, before we move on to our interview with Mike Tannenbaum. I have a March Madness take. I feel like if you want to enjoy the tournament more, you won't do a bracket. Right. I've enjoyed this tournament, and my bracket was done two games in. 
Iowa losing literally ruined everything for me. I Remember when you said Iowa was a, a me taking Duke was a more bold take than you taking yeah. Iowa? How bad was that take on your part? Yeah, this Duke team has impressed me like crazy. Like yeah, them having back to back games with comebacks. Is, Coach K looks old. He doesn't coach anymore. He looks like I was watching him last night and I was like, this guy. Yeah. He looks his like assist, a shell of himself. His assistants run the whole yeah. show. He looks like a shell. He looks yeah. like he looks like he doesn't. Even, he looks like a turtle out of his shell. Yeah, like he looks like he's flopping. Yeah. Yeah, but I do have to give credit to this Duke team. I I normally hate taking young teams. I think mm-hmm. you're playing against seniors who like I think this Houston team is a real problem just because those most of their whole team, they don't have anything after this. Like this is it. Yeah. Their whole life is this. Like Duke, all those guys are going to the NBA. They have five first round potential yeah. picks. So it's like I I normally hate taking those like young prospect teams but maybe that i didn't factor in the whole coach k thing like them wanting to send coach k out on top that coach k factor like you want to yeah you want to you want to win for him i i didn't factor that whatsoever so like when i was doing all my research for like because i I wasn't huge in college basketball this year i'm not gonna lie watch a few games here and there Um, i think this was probably the, the least interested i've been in college basketball this year Everyone was telling me to take Iowa. Everybody. Take Iowa to the finals. They're the hottest team in the country. Don't touch Houston. They only beat bad teams. Yeah. Look at the five seed that's at the Elite Eight. Yeah. I mean, this Houston team is outrageously good defensively. I love their effort on that end. But the two team, two teams I was high on, Iowa and Tennessee, they were the hottest teams coming in. They mm-hmm. tore up their tournaments in the Big Ten and SEC, the two, arguably the two best conferences this year, they're both out super quick. It's like how being hot means nothing to me anymore. I'm not it doing that anymore. everything for me. Like That's Michigan, how we have to pick my bracket. Right. Michigan won two games in this tournament. Yeah. They shouldn't have even been in the tournament. Yeah. Like, there was literally arguments that they should not have even been in the tournament. Right. Like I'm, I'm done with the being hot thing. It means nothing. So... So your your advice to me for next year, and I was actually thinking about this. Do I, when I pick my bracket next year, do I go against everything I hear from experts, from people telling me to do? I just completely uh, go against everyone. But that's me what the to beauty. Do? The beauty of the bracket is there's no formula. There right. has to be though. No. I must. I must construct <laughs> a perfect bracket. We've talked about this. That's, I'm going to do it before I die. The beauty of the bracket is there's no formula. And I guess the only advice you could ever give anyone is just go with your gut. Like that picture you posted in the group today is like the group chat of a guy saying, oh, how did you pick St. Peter's? picking my name. And his name is Peter. In the text, <laughs> yeah. you see Peter. I picked my name. Like that's, that's how you do it. It's like the, I think though there's, so in Canada, this thing called pro line, it's called pro pick. So you pick the winner of every game, right? I mm. think one of the only winners was like a woman who literally picked the places she wants to go visit. Yeah. She, she just she, like, she won 15 or 15. Yeah. Or picking the mascots that you yeah. like better. I will construct the perfect bracket. It <sighs> will happen. Well, it's a one. What a one in nine trillion chance. I think you and I are bottom two. Of I'm our- 26 years old. I got let's 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 throw myself. Let's give myself 70 years. Let's say I make it to 70. That's that. That's 40, 45, 45. More so I got 45 tries at this. Can't I think it can be done? Why are you giving me a? Pff? To co- you you mean like? Me? Do you mean just to win our? No, pool? I want to construct the perfect bracket. You'll never do. If every single person on Earth, over six billion people, did ten brackets, 
it is still more likely that it will not be done than done. Yeah, but I defy odds. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to do it. Good luck. All right. That's all she wrote today. Eric and I will be back on Monday. We're going to do kind of a, a winner's loser's kind of look at some teams because France is done, boys. It's it's kind of over. I think all the big trades happened. I don't think there's going to be any more blockbusters. Who knows with where the NFL's going, but we'll see how. Yeah, uh, topic for Monday might be, are the Browns going to have to keep on to Baker Mayfield? Yeah, because I wanted to bring that up. We'll, we'll, let's save that for Monday because yeah. I think there's a lot. I want to dive into If the Deshaun Warriors. gets suspended, are they going to ask Baker Mayfield <laughs> to play? That would be hilarious <laughs> yeah. if he has to play any games. And it's real. Aaron Rapport came out today and said it's a scenario. But I want to dive into that more. Let's, let's, so we'll talk about that on Monday. We'll do a winner's losers. We'll kind of take a look around the league see uh what teams have done i think the nfc north is really like the what the hell the lions and vikings the what are the vikings doing right now yeah. i want to take i got from monday anyways here comes our interview with mike tannenbaum and now i am happy to be joined by former general manager of the new york jets former executive vice president of football operations for the miami dolphins founder of Team Thirty uh, Third Team and ESPN analyst Mike Tannenbaum is with us. Mike, how are we doing? Good afternoon. How are you? I am doing well. I'm doing well. It has been a chaotic uh, offseason in the NFL, that's for sure. And we're going to be jumping into that right now. So, Mike, I want to just start with some kind of just uh, some past moves that have been going on the last couple of days, and let's let's focus in on the Tyree Kill trade. So, Tyree Kill gets traded for five draft picks. Kind of came out of nowhere. I don't think many people saw this one coming. What do you make of this? Who won? Who lost? Do you think Patrick Mahomes is going to regret this? Do you think Andy Reid made a wrong decision here? What do you make of this trade? Yeah, I actually think this is a uh, real win-win because Tyreek Hill is a great difference-making wide receiver who's you know maybe has more explosion than anybody in the league right now. He he's just a a great great player. And then on the other hand, I think when you think about um, from a resource allocation standpoint, I think the Chiefs getting you know five picks. I think it's likely that they'll draft somebody. Uh, it makes a lot of sense to me, you know, why they would make that trade as well. So I think this is one of those situations where I don't know if there's a winner and a loser. I think this could be something that benefits all all parties. Okay, so question for you. So let's let's say week eight for this question's purpose. What do you think comes first? Do you think the I know you said it's a win-win, but hypothetically, or do you think either a Patrick Mahomes is looking around saying, damn, I missed Tyree Kill by week eight? Or do you think a scenario where Tyree Kill is looking around by week eight saying, man, I miss Patrick Mahomes? Well, I think Mahomes, I think part, I think fundamentally, this has to be about the greatness of Patrick Mahomes to make this work. And here's what I mean by that specifically. When you give a guy $45 million a year, he has to make people around you better. It, it just doesn't work if you don't do that. And when you say, hey, this is our guy, he's our guy. And I totally understand why they made the move they made. You know, Patrick Mahomes is a great player. Just have to, um, you just have to work around it. You, you have to work around it and say, hey, we just can't pay it all. And, you know, we're, we have a great offensive line. There's some uh, defensive players that we're going to want to keep. And because of it, you know, someone's going to have to go. And it's painful that someone like uh, Tyreek Hill, but – you know, when you're paying a guy as much as they're paying uh, Patrick Mahomes, this is going to happen. So what do you make of the Green Bay Packers offseason so far? Um, Aaron Rodgers signs a big extension. Everyone kind of expects 
Devonte Adams to come back because of that extension. Like, what? What? Everyone's thinking, why would you trade your star wide receiver and Rodgers coming back? And then they do just that. What do you make of the situation? Do you think they should have just blown it up, or do you think they're going to be okay going forward? Yeah, that one was a little bit different to me because that's kind of you know different because of the age of Aaron Rodgers. So I'm surprised that once that Rodgers was coming back, I was surprised that Devontae Adams didn't come back. But again, I think they'll draft a receiver as well. Um, speaking of the draft, do you think there or do you have an eye on a prospect right now? Like you just brought up the wide receivers. There's some there's a lot of talent in the wide receiver from Drake London, Jameson Williams, guys like that. But is there a specific prospect that you've had your eye on over the past couple of weeks? Uh, at which position? Like, uh, yeah, does it, like uh, just any position? Like, is there a guy that you're just focused on? Like, this guy's being under talked about, underrated. You were at the combine. Yeah, is a guy that caught your eye at the combine? Yeah. Just anyone like that? Yeah, I think to me the guy that's really sort of the most intriguing is Jamison Williams because we've already talked about the Chiefs. We've talked about the Packers. I was at the SEC championship game. I think this guy's a great player. If he didn't tear his ACL, wow, he, he may be a top five pick. So I, I'm just really uh, fascinated by um, what he could do if he's healthy. What do the Jags do at one? Oh, you take Aiden Hutchinson. He makes people around him better. Uh, and that's what, you know, great programs do. They, they have people around them, uh, players around them that make them better. And I think when you franchise Cam Robinson, sign Brandon Scherf, um, I think you've done a lot to help your offensive line. And now you go out and you get a pass rusher like Aiden Hutchinson. And again, it's not just about what Aiden Hutchinson can do as a pass rusher, but I think he's one of those guys that he makes people around him better. And I think he's a guy that, to me, is one of those guys that you would call a force multiplier, meaning – He's going to make people around him better, and that's what you want from you know a top pick. Is there a, is there a let's go back to free agency here? Is there a free agent signing that's caught your eye as the best free agent signing? And then on top of that, has there been a free agent signing that you think has been the worst free agent signing so far? Well, I would say this. I mean, from a best signing standpoint, I think anytime you can get a pass rusher that that could really impact the game. So you know, Khalil Mack in a trade. Chandler Jones, moving teams, Randy Gregory. I think those players make you better, right? I think those are ones that are just so consequential and, and, and can cover up deficiencies at, um, you know, corner or other players. So I think when you can get one of those players, it makes you better right away. Um, in terms of, I, I think some of those bigger receiver contracts, in particular, someone like Christian Kirk, I yeah. think he's a good player, but – Again, I think this draft is loaded with receivers, and that's really I would where I would have focused and not spent as much money uh, on that position in free agency. What do you make of what Trim Balky's doing in Jacksonville? Do you like how he's kind of just open up the checkbook? And do you think there's like maybe a tax on on players going to Jacksonville? Like, oh, we'll come here, we'll come play for a franchise that's been only made the playoffs once in the last ten years, and you have to pay more. Do you think that is a real thing? And what do you just make of what uh, Trim Balky's done in Jacksonville in general? I've heard people say that, but they got better. I mean, they're a better team, and, you know, that's why you have cap space to get better. So, um, look, they're trying to, you know, create a new foundation. You know, they certainly could have overspent a little bit. I don't think there's any question about that. But when you look at it, they are a better team. Okay, I want to zoom out a little bit here with you, Mike. Um, you, Of course, I mentioned you've been a general manager of New York Jets. You've been involved in many front offices. How do general managers approach the offseason? Is there a specific task list they have? 
this kind of you can summarize maybe a little bit of what goes in to planning for an NFL offseason? That's a great question. I don't know if there's a simple answer. I know for my experience, you know, it's a team effort. You want to do things that are going to make your team better. Sometimes it's in the draft. Sometimes it's free agency. And again, let's go back to the Jaguars. I think it's also a complimentary team building standpoint. And what I mean by that is you say, hey, we're going to keep Cam Robinson. We're going to sign Brandon Scherf. And then we think we got a pass rusher in the draft. And if we were running the Jaguars, maybe a year from now we would look at it differently. But you look at the strengths and weaknesses of your team, free agency, and the draft. Um, is, is there a specific reason to all the player movement in the NFL this year? Like this offseason has been – just kind of chaotic. Like, I've, I've, of course, you've been following the league for many years. I'm a little, I'm younger than you, and I, I still think this is the crazier offseason that I've ever seen. Is there a specific reason to this offseason being so chaotic? That is a great question. It's something that we're pondering ourselves and saying, like, why are all these crazy trades happening? And it seems like just when things are going to, you know, quiet down, you know, we've seen Russell Wilson get traded. We've seen Devontae Adams get traded. Khalil Mack. Oh, by the way, Tom Brady came back. It just here. So I don't really know um, if this is aberrational or if this is the new normal. But it's it's breathtaking to see what's. Do you think it has anything to do with this? The money wise, like I, I'm kind of looking at just the contracts being dished out. Of course, there's Sean Watson getting so much money. Um, you got like Devonte Adams, Terry Kill saying so much money. Is it just strictly? Is it mainly because of just all the dough that's getting thrown around? I think cap space has something to do with it. I think there's a sense of urgency to win faster nowadays. So I think it's a combination of, of a few things. Okay, so. I want to ask you, I'm, I'm an Eagles guy, so I want to ask you about just the, the Philadelphia Eagles in general over the last few years. They go on, they win a Super Bowl in 2017. Everyone's kind of looking at them saying they've got a good core built around. This team can do something. This team can make, not, I want to put dynasty, but this team's got a rock solid core built around. And then injuries happen. Um, they, Carson Wentz, of course, that situation, situation kind of applodes. From a GM, from a former GM standpoint, what do you make of the uh, of the job that Howie Roseman has done since the Eagles have won the Super Bowl? You know, I think he's trying to keep things together. Um, so, um, I think he's uh, someone that really believes in a few core values, like the quarterback position, the lines. You know, and you can look at certain things to say, well, you know, Jalen Rager didn't work out, which is certainly true, but. You know, you look at Jordan Mulata, that was a great pick. And I think, like, maybe one of the more underrated moves is uh, when I look at the Garden Minshew trade to get him from Jacksonville last year. I thought that was tremendous value. So, certainly yep. not, not not all his picks have worked out. Candidly, it doesn't for any of us who have sat in that seat. Mm-hmm. But by and large, I think the Lions are young. Uh, they're not perfect by any stretch, but um, I think there's some good foundation and, and maybe not the headlines of Tua Tagovailoa this year, but this is a really important year to see what they have in Jalen Hurts. Yep. What do you make of Jalen Hurts? Do you think he's the answer? Do you think he progresses into a franchise quarterback? I, I think it's hard because I think he's, like, a good quarterback and a great person and a great leader. He has a big, strong, thick uh, lower body who can break a lot of tackles. He can make all the throws. I just want to see more consistency, especially on, on his downfield throws. Um, and this is a consequential year. So there's a lot to like about his game, um, but I just think some of the skill sets have to improve a little bit. 
Okay, so I want to zoom out again and kind of ask you about your time as an executive and general manager in the league. I want to start with your time in the New York Jets. So you're the general manager of the New York Jets from 2006, 2012. And you were the architect of that 2009 and 2010 Jets teams that went to the conference championship. Mike, man, they just haven't been the same since you left. They have not made the playoffs since the last since you were the general manager of that franchise. Mike, what do you remember the most about those two years? Or maybe just what do you remember the most about your six years in New York? Yeah, I spent 16 great seasons there. Went to the championship game three times. Went to the playoffs seven. Got to work with people like Bill Parcells and Bill Belichick. And I wouldn't change that experience for the world. Uh, I grew up there. Met my wife there. Had our kids there. Got to work for two incredible owners and Leon Hess and Woody Johnson. And it was 16 great seasons. And I can remember having the lead at the halftime against Denver in one championship game. Feeling like we had to play Pittsburgh in another. And you know, knocked on the door and just couldn't get through. But uh, we had a great run in New York. Um, do you remember, like, when you drafted Mark Sanchez when he was brought into the when he's brought into the building? Did you expect to have all that success when you brought him in? Yeah, absolutely. That's why we drafted him. Um, <laughs> we thought we had a really good foundation, and uh, really felt like we could go far with Mark. And uh, you know, we were able to win a number of playoff games, beating Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. And we it was uh, we had a really good run with Mark. Really proud of what we were collectively able to accomplish. Okay, I want to ask you about a previous trade that you were involved in when you were as in, uh, when you were the vice president of football operations of the Miami Dolphins. This, this trade fascinates me. So back in 2016, when you were the vice president there, the Eagles traded from the 13th pick to the 8th pick. Um, in the draft, and they traded Byron Maxwell and Kiko Alonso to the Dolphins, and the Eagles went from 13th to 8th. Do you remember specifically anything about that trade? Because I just find that trade so fascinating. You never see kind of a jump in the draft like that for players. Usually it's with draft picks. And for this time, it was just two kind of starters on the field. Do you remember anything about that trade? Because uh, to me, just from my, team, from my time covering the league, I'm just very fascinated with that trade. Uh, you know, we were able to get two stars at a position that we felt were necessary. Um, and we felt we could get a comparable player. Uh, the irony uh, really about that trade more than anything is we got the first pick in the draft that year. We got Laramie Tunsil. And, um, yes. you know, there was an unfortunate video for him that happened soon, right before the draft. So that, that trade really was punctuated by us being able to get uh, Laramie Tunsil. And uh, things worked out well and got to the playoffs that year. Um, okay, we'll get you off on this, Mike. So you, um, ha you and Joe Banner have founded the Thirty Third Team. It's an awesome, uh, it's an awesome site. If you haven't already, please go check that out. I'm going to plug it in to the podcast description. Um, why don't you just tell the listeners a little about that and what do you think the future holds for it? Yeah, thanks so much for asking. Um, it's a think tank. Uh, started back with uh, some grad students at UMass, and uh, we've probably placed fourteen men and women in the NFL based on interning with us and uh, we just like to help others get to where they want to go and we try to put out content that's unique and differentiated um it's really driven by people that have made decisions so people from bill pullian to doug peterson to we've had hundreds and hundreds of years of experience uh, on our calls and it's a combination of putting out completely free content our calls are free our newsletters free and then trying in a very meaningful way to help students get to where they want to go that's Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN analyst, founder of the 3013, former executives for the New York Jets and Miami Dolphins. Mike, thanks so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. All right. Have a great day. Thanks. You too.